When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. Our show is about to begin. Rocky is a drama about a down-on-his-luck boxer who gets the lucky break of a lifetime and loses. But the music of Rocky tells a very different story. This is The Soundtrack Show. Welcome back to The Soundtrack Show. I'm your host, David W. Collins, and in this episode, we'll be taking a close listen to the music of Rocky, a film from 1976, written by and starring Sylvester Stallone, directed by John G. Avildsen, with a musical score by Bill Conti. Before we get into the score, and in order to really understand its unique function to this classic American movie, we need to talk about the movie itself its origins, its themes, and some behind-the-scenes facts that make this little movie so special and memorable. First, the movie itself. The biggest misconception, in my opinion, about Rocky is that it's just a boxing movie, when in fact, it's hardly a boxing movie at all. I mean, boxing is a part of the story, for sure, of course. But Rocky, at its core, is a romantic drama about a lonely man from Philadelphia who is down on his luck has broken dreams of being a fighter, but just can't get his life together. This is where we'll start our musical journey, and we'll walk through the story while keeping the music in mind. The movie opens in a really unique way. A big trumpet fanfare announces the movie opening's arrival. It's majestic, huge, almost regal, noble, proud. Giant letters fill the movie screen as they move from right to left, so that you can't even see the whole word Rocky on the screen at once. As it does, we hear this.
What's so interesting about this is that it cuts straight from this regal trumpet fanfare, the promise of greatness and excitement. Maybe those are the dreams that Rocky has inside. To a close-up shot of a portrait or a painting of, of Jesus. But as the image widens, we realize that we've just been dumped out and into the dreariest boxing match in the middle of nowhere. This boxing pit where two boxers are pummeling each other. A thick smoke cloud over the crowd who are booing both contenders while throwing bets and cash around. It's hostile. It's dreary. And it's just plain sad. And of course, it's a huge juxtaposition to the trumpet fanfare that we just had. In a way, the trumpet fanfare feels so out of place at the top of this movie. But really what it's doing is it's planting a seed and telling us where this movie is actually going to go. Because for the next hour, we're going to be in a very different movie than the one that that fanfare promised. Once we're dumped into Rocky's miserable world, we don't leave it for a long, long time. As I said, the whole first hour of the movie is following Rocky around in his sad life with barely any music. When music does arrive, it's simple and subtle in the background. Just a piano playing a theme for Rocky. The theme kind of goes like this. It's dreary. It's kind of sad. Certainly a far cry from that trumpet fanfare that we heard at the beginning. The glory of Rocky's name up on the big silver screen in huge letters. Whereas the reality is his life is the worst. Night, Rocky. Hey, Marie. Take care, you know. Hey, Rocky. Yo. Screw you, creepo. Yeah, who are you to give advice, Creepo? Huh? Who are you? He works as a leg breaker, who doesn't have the heart to actually break any legs, for a two-bit loan shark. He's a tough guy with a hat and a big leather coat, he lives in this dreary studio apartment with his pet turtles, which is so cute. By the way, Sylvester Stallone still has those turtles today. The only joy in Rocky's life is fighting at Mighty Mix Gym, a local boxing gym. And even they don't want him there. You can see why this theme is so dreary for Rocky. This is one of the first things that composer Bill Conti wrote for the movie. A sad, melancholy theme for the harsh realities of Rocky Balboa's life in the neighborhood. I had this theme for the Rocky character. A very sad theme. And I did this for the whole movie. I mean... Little do we know, as an audience, and little did composer Bill Conti know at first, that this sad melody was going to transform itself into the driving melody of an upbeat number one radio hit. What's interesting to note about the first hour of Rocky is that there's barely any music in the film. I mean, it's just a bleak representation of urban life in downtown Philly with very little musical commentary. Every once in a while, we're reminded with a light bit of piano that things don't really go Rocky's way very often. But most of the time, the script and the actors are really doing the work here. Even though life in Philly is bleak for Rocky, we like him. 
We spend time getting to know this guy, which is important after watching him throw punches at the top of the movie. Yes, he works as a thug for a loan shark, but when he's asked to get violent to, to get people to pay up, he can't bring himself to do it, as I said. And he just gives the debtors a pep talk instead. Yes, he boxes professionally when he can for little to no money. But he shows a soft side for his love of his neighborhood, the kids. Even the drunk passed out on the street at the bar. He slings him over his shoulder and brings him inside to warm him up. And Rocky has a love for animals. He has those two pet turtles I mentioned, but he also loves dogs and he says hello to all of the little birds and other creatures in the local pet store every day coming from work or from the boxing gym. Well, there is, of course, another reason for this. Rocky is smitten with a very shy woman named Adrian, who barely speaks at first. Rocky is always trying to comfort her with a dumb joke or a funny one-liner. And eventually, thanks to her older brother, the love-to-hate-him character Polly, Rocky and Adrian start to date. This totally changes Rocky's life, and this is where the story of Rocky picks up. We start to see this transformation. Not only does it change his life, but it also gives the composer a chance to sneak in a new romantic melody. Because up to now, besides the big fanfare, besides that, and besides the... Besides all of that, we have had hardly any music in this movie at all. Well, besides a couple of little oddities, we had a Cool in the Gang song on the radio when Rocky's just hanging out in his little studio apartment, and Sylvester Stallone's brother, Frank Stallone, singing a bluesy doo-wop song called Take You Back on a street corner in Philadelphia. Take you back, do-do-do-do, take you back, yeah, 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 take you back, do-do-do-do, take you back. Well, take I've been told by do, 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 some people, and they all say to take you back, do, 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 to take you back like before. I don't call this a reason, I just call it believing in myself. Do, 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 take you back. Well, push me back. But here, finally, on Rocky's first date, a sweeter, more romantic love theme emerges as a variation on the main Rocky theme. Let's take a listen.
On the soundtrack, this is called First Date. This theme continues in future Rocky movies, but here, when it's first heard, it starts to warm the movie up a bit. It makes the characters feel a little bit more vulnerable, which I think we need because the conversation that they have at first is mostly surface and doesn't convey the attraction that the two feel. It's the music that does the work for us. Though, we do learn a few things as they talk towards the end of the date. You know, some people think that being shy is a disease, you know, but it don't bother me now, you know? It don't bother me either. Why'd I bother bringing it up, huh? Because I'm dumb, that's why. I think we make a real sharp couple of coconuts. I'm dumb and you're shy. What do you think, huh? I don't understand why anybody would want to be a fighter. Hey, you gotta be a moron. You gotta be a moron to wanna be a fighter, you know what I mean? It's a rocket where you almost guaranteed to end up a bum. I don't think you're a bum. Well, I'm at least half a bum, you know? Later, when Polly finally asks Rock, what do you see in my sister? Rocky says, we fill gaps. Meaning that they complement each other and help each other. I don't see it. What's the attraction? I don't know. Fills gaps, I guess. What's gaps? I don't know, gaps. She's got gaps, I got gaps. Together we fill gaps. I don't know. Finally, someone believes in Rocky. Just to show how sad his life is, their first date is on Thanksgiving. He says that the previous Thanksgiving he spent home alone with his two turtles and a can of Spam. This relationship with Adrian will prove to be very important in Rocky's character arc because what happens next is the whole reason that this story is being told to us. And now for a brief intermission. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We return now to the soundtrack show. The heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Apollo Creed, has set up a giant fight for America's bicentennial coming up in 1976. But he has no one to fight because his opponent fell through and there's no availability of any other opponents. So trying to figure out what they're going to do because they don't want to cancel. It's a huge money-making opportunity. He settles on a genius publicity stunt that he comes up with himself. He's going to fight a local boy makes good type in the heart of Philadelphia as an exhibition fight. And who does he find out of a directory of amateur boxers? Rocky Balboa. Because he calls himself the Italian Stallion and Creed loves it. He decides that he's perfect for this exhibition fight. So he invites Rocky to be a part of it. And now Rocky's life, which we the audience are now painfully familiar with, is about to change forever. Of course, nobody's taking Rocky seriously in the media. Certainly Apollo Creed doesn't consider him a real opponent. And Rocky is left with a decision as to whether or not to take himself seriously. Well, ultimately he does. And this is where the real importance of Rocky's film score starts to kick in. Here in the middle of the film, 
We're going to see a tremendous transition as Rocky begins a painful training process. Between scenes of characters talking, we see these montages and very slow progress told largely through music. After Rocky decides he's going to train for the big fight, his first morning of training, he wakes up painfully early before dawn and begins to work out. He downs half a dozen raw eggs, steps out into the cold, and begins to run down the street. Bill Conti doesn't greet this with great ceremony. In fact, it's the opposite. In a track called Philadelphia Morning, we get a very quiet, almost sorrowful piece of music as Rocky begins his morning run. He's out of shape. He hasn't quit smoking. And by the end, he's struggling. He's out of breath. And somewhat defeated? No, not defeated. But the realization of how much work he has to do dawns on him, as the music helps this realization dawn on us, the audience. Let's take a listen. Starts out with a sleepy horn. Compare this to a morning bugle call in the military. This is way more subdued. And this reverberant solo gives us the solidarity of Rocky as he's training. Joined then by strings and other brass as the world starts to wake up and Rocky starts to warm up. on the chords to the main Rocky theme. And there it is. This piece marks the beginning of a rise in music as an important voice in this movie. Later, Rocky gets a boost when Adrian surprises him with a new pet dog that Rocky always loved in the pet store. The dog's name is Butkus. <laughs> now, this dog was actually Stallone's actual dog at the time. In fact, this is a sad story, but at one point, Stallone was so broke that he had to sell Butkus just so he could have some funds. But when he sold the script for Rocky, he bought Butkus back. It's kind of a neat behind-the-scenes story that Stallone wrote his dog into this film. But anyway, back to the story and the music. Now, Stallone has a running partner and some new rhythm-based music to accompany him makes its first appearance in the film. Now things are starting to pick up. And we're introduced to this 70s brand of pop funk mixed with orchestra that was to become so famous, mostly because of a cue that happens next in the film. Probably the most famous piece of music to come out of Rocky is a song called Gonna Fly Now. 
and it's set to a montage of Rocky really gaining momentum and growing both physically and mentally as the fight gets closer and closer. The story of how this song came together is a wonderful example of how directors have such a huge hand in how music for a film comes together. Here's composer Bill Conti and director John Avildsen discussing the music for the training montage, which became one of the most famous sports anthems of all time. When I uh, started working on the uh, picture, I uh, was taking a lot of 8mm uh, film of the uh, rehearsals, and, uh, and then I would uh, play it back with some uh, Beethoven, and I would play that for uh, Bill. I said, that's the kind of sound I want, because I think we'll move up the boxing. The theme from Rocky has nothing to do with the Eroica Symphony of Beethoven, of course. But earlier we were talking about what heroic music is. And I hear brass, and I hear loud when it's time to go into battle. Now, I've read the script, I know how it ends. He loses. But in the 10th reel, he gets to train to, for a big fight, and we want the audience to think, we want to manipulate the audience to think that he can win. Okay. So there's a montage. That means you put the clips of a person training all together in a row. There's not necessarily talking or dialogue or anything that would be called, considered anything more than exposition. Oh, he's training running. Oh, he's training with a thing. He's doing push-ups. He's doing that. All of these things. So the director says to the musician, if I had a little rhythm, a music, I could cut the sequences together in a rhythm. So the first directive is, Bill, give me about a minute and a half's worth of music so I can cut together the training of Sly jumping around just to help me cut it. So I had a, a little fanfare at the beginning, dun, da da dun, da da dun, okay? And then da-da-da, da-da-da. Very sad because the guy was a loser. He was a loser for about an hour. He, was, he lost for two hours. So it was a sad song. But in the 10th reel, I said, oh, well, let's make it peppy and fast and make, give him some inspiration. Okay, I give the director a minute and a half. He says, oh, that's really great. Can you give me another 30 seconds? Well, of course I can. I'm getting underpaid, but I can do that. That's what I do. I give him 30 seconds. And in that way, he's, uh, then he asked for another 30 and another 30. So I didn't sit down and write a song. I had a minute and a half of themes, and I began tacking this stuff on. By the end, he's running up the stairs, jumping up and down, and I'm at my wits' ends. Of, I've run out of stuff to do. And I had a fan, I had the little fanfare. So I did that, and I went through. And I did about a minute, because the director said, oh, give me about a minute, I cut this film. It's easier to cut film to music, because there's the rhythm and all that kind of stuff. So after that, he says, give me another 30 seconds. <sighs> okay, I went back home. Here. By the end, I've completely run out of ideas. He's running up the stairs. So the piece that was supposed to be a song that everyone thinks should be a song, was actually these little bitty hunks that kept getting piled on. Music that moved people, meaning me, was the kind of music that I wanted to write. The music seemed to affect people, thankfully, and I know that from, from their reactions uh, to letters that I, that I received, that it helped people emotionally. As time went on, that dum-dum-da-da-dum-da-da-dum-da-da-dum, 
just got the people's attention and it stirred their uh, spirit and whether they were uh, jogging uh, down the road or at a sporting event, that uh, got the reaction that uh, was needed. Barbara Streisand was doing the Academy Award show that same year in 77 where I was the musical director of. And on the podium she said, you know, I, in the morning I get up and I put on that when I go running and it really makes me, uh, gets me up for the day. It was some, something very complimentary, which I appreciate. And of course I had asked my wife, I don't know what I have to do because I don't certainly turn that music on <laughs> to get up for the day, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it works for, for someone else. It's wonderful. I mean, it, it's just wonderful if it does, when it does, because music works for me like that. I do have other pieces, not of my music, that, that, that reach me. So really, it was just about keeping the momentum going of the montage. Well, by doing this, it has tremendous emotional impact. To me, what Avildsen is asking for here of Bill Conti is to keep pushing the emotion. Let's go farther. Let's go a little bit more. Let's go a little bit more. He's in the editing room developing a moment here. A moment where Rocky is overcoming his limitations, whether they're physical or just in his mind. And maybe, just maybe, we as an audience start to think, oh man, Rocky could actually win this thing. Is that what's going to happen? Here's that opening trumpet fulfilling a promise from the top of the movie. But now it's setting up a cadence in the relative minor key. Ah yes, and now a rhythmic version of the melancholy Rocky theme. Yet now it's somehow empowering. Rocky jogs through the city. People start cheering him on. Those are real people in Philadelphia, not extras. At one point a real person throws Stallone an apple and just smiles and cheers with everybody else because they just see him filming as he's jogging down the street. But it's perfect for the movie. are arguably pretty on the nose here, but, but boy does it get the job done. And it keeps going. we see Rocky really starting to fly, running as fast as he can. Ultimately, he sprints up the 72 stone steps to the top of the Philadelphia Museum of Art and does a victory dance.
man. What an inspiring tune. You, you know what? You, hold on. I got to go and I, I, I got to go do something. I got to, I got to, I got to go for a walk. Hold on. I'll, I'll be right back. I'm just going to put on my shoes and, you know, do something. The Soundtrack Show will continue in a moment. We return now to The Soundtrack Show. Gonna Fly Now was a number one record, topping the Billboard Hot 100 chart in 1977 and was certified gold by the RIAA. And would you believe that it all came together in just three hours of recording? It was a $25,000 package deal. You pay for everything, the musicians, the music, the tape, the engineer, and then you get the Whatever's rest. left. Well, remember, on, on Harry and Tonto, I got 7500 So my agent asked for 8000 on Rocky, and they said, well, it's a package deal. So I took the package deal, and I made $15,000, because in one three-hour session, we recorded the score to Rocky. John says, you know, it's like... He's standing up there, jumping around. It's like he's going to fly. Bill, I said, gee, why don't you put some lyrics to that? Because it sure sounds like a, like a song. John, it's your movie. You can say anything you want. About ten minutes later, uh, he and the uh, lyricist had come up with uh, uh, some, uh, some lyrics, and uh, he and his uh, wife Shelby and uh, whoever else was in the studio uh, got together and, um, and sang it. I called my wife, who's working at KHJ, and I say, does anyone in your office sing? Oh, because my wife sings. And she says, oh, yeah. I said, well, bring them over. We've got some words that we want to put to this song. So she comes in with her office mates. And in one three-hour session in, in, in 1976, we do the entire Rocky score. Boom. It's over. Uh, Rocky was under a million dollars. It was $900,000. This was a $25,000 deal. John Avelson says, are we going to see the movie while we record the music? I said, we can't. I can't afford to buy a projectionist. And so everything was like, here's the music, play it. Did you like it? Because we're moving on. <laughs> we move on. And we moved on. Who could know that an extended montage could end up being one of the most inspiring, just do it type of musical moments in all of sports history? It's been a staple of marching bands and sporting events in arenas and stadiums for over 40 years now. And it all went down in a recording studio in just three hours. His clever use of that opening fanfare is also, as I said, a payoff to the beginning of the movie. We were promised greatness. Or at least the movie showed us that Rocky was aspiring to greatness at the top when he's fighting Spider Rico in that boxing pit. And we're reminded that that dream he's always had... He's now starting to achieve it. But the road to this fight still isn't over. Self-doubt creeps in and the music becomes melancholy again as Rocky visits the arena the night before the fight. such a high in the training montage, we're reminded of what life has been. We're reminded of the whole first hour of the movie. And any smart, sane person would be scared of what's coming, just like Rocky. And he has a realization that he shares with Adrian, 
once he gets back home late at night. He just wants to go the distance. If he can just go the distance and stay in the fight all the way till the end, then for the first time in his life, he'll know that he's not just another bum from the neighborhood. It really don't matter if this guy opens my head either. Because all I want to do is go the distance. Nobody's ever gone the distance with Creed. And if I can go that distance, you see, and that bell rings and I'm still standing, I'm going to know for the first time in my life, you see, that I weren't just another bum from the neighborhood. And now the big fight. So much spectacle as Apollo Creed enters dressed as George Washington in a mini parade of Independence Day bicentennial camp. Clearly the showman, and also not taking his opponent or this fight too seriously. It's funny, in a moment of blurring the lines between film score and source cue, we hear that trumpet fanfare again reverberating through the arena as if it's coming from that arena. As if that's the sound that Rocky's been hearing in his head all these years, and now he's finally here. And then the fight begins. And there's the bell for round one, the most publicized fight of the ages. The fighters come out, come into the center of the ring, looking at each other. Rocky just looking. Creed, the champion, sipping, flying those jabs out there, left-handed jabs, right to the head, bang. After some opening nerves, the punches start to fly. From Creed, Rocky's just taking the punches. Is he ever going to block? Is he ever going to land a punch? He just keeps swinging and missing. But then Rocky lands one huge punch and Creed just crumbles, bam, on the floor. What? Still, no music. What are we waiting for? This continues for a couple of rounds and Balboa holds his ground. Then, the music kicks in right as the bell rings at the end of round two. Rocky has made it to round three with the heavyweight champion of the world. Suddenly, the fight turns into a fight montage as round three becomes round five. Round five suddenly becomes round seven. In round 14, the music has become downright heroic. Rocky is taking a beating, but he is still standing.
then, Rocky is knocked to the ground, and it looks like the fight is over for him. But against all odds, Rocky gets up and goes back in for more. And Apollo Creed can't believe it. So Apollo goes in to finish the job and is instead greeted by a southpaw left punch to his side. Rocky strikes back. The bell rings. The music stops. Everything, including the music, takes a break. Everyone in their respective corners wants to stop the fight. But the two men refuse. Even though Creed is now bleeding internally, and Rocky's face is so swollen from punches that he asks Mick to cut him above the eye to bring the swelling down so he can even see. (laughs) Why? Why are these two still going in this fight? It's brutal. Well, for Creed, he's the heavyweight champion. It's presumably to avoid embarrassment. This wasn't supposed to be a real fight. This is a show. But what is this for Rocky? Well, for Rocky... And we really see this through the look on Adrian's face as she watches. Watches someone she loves with a deep understanding. For Rocky, getting beaten in this fight is no different than the beating that he's taken in life. And in this moment, he's not just fighting Creed. He's fighting to rise above the dreary life that we saw him live in most of the film. By getting back on his feet, the central metaphor of the movie and for the whole franchise, future movies, everything, is established. It's not about how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Round 15, the final round begins. No music, but the sound of the crowd has changed. Now they're chanting, Rocky, 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 as Rocky moves toward Creed and hits back again and again and again. And the bell rings. On the final round, before Rocky or Creed are knocked down. And the music just swells. Let's take a listen to the movie from here until the end. Immediately the music is victorious. Why? Because Rocky went the distance. He went 15 rounds with the heavyweight champion of the world. And yet, all he can think about is Adrian. He doesn't care about the press. He just wants Adrian. He did it. They did it. Here it's chaos. Rocky, you went the distance. You went the 15 rounds. How do you feel? All right, all right. What are you thinking about when that buzzer's on uh, for that line? Adrian! What do you think about when the 15th round when you're coming out? Adrian! Rocky? Rocky? Rocky?
Rocky lost the fight, but it doesn't matter. The music is telling a love story here. The music and the love story are telling us a very different narrative from what's actually happening on screen. Like the two of them, it's very clear to us that Rocky Balboa won the fight of a lifetime. Rocky is just the first movie in a series of movies that ended up dominating the late 70s and early 80s, and it's still going strong as a franchise even today. It's a prototype for a sports drama, a story about human struggles and rising to the occasion, a story about beating the odds, and it spawned a whole genre of very emotional movies about athletes. This is due, in no small part, to the music of Bill Conti. Thank you.